Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Guess uh, what it is, Brendan? <laughs> what is it? It's airy season, baby. It's 60 airy degrees season. outside. Got the windows open. I'm so excited to be here. The Persian New Year today, the day we're recording, which is nice. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and uh, I, look, cards <laughs> on the table. <laughs> uh-huh. Stephen and I recorded our bonus episode. <laughs> For Mother 3 yesterday, which um, I don't think either of us were expecting this, but it was a whole day affair. Yeah, it took all day. We literally, I, I, I joked to you that like mentioning The Last of Us Part 2 episode is our new like Macbeth Scottish <laughs> play curse because we all said like, okay, like, this won't take too long. It's not going to be like a Last of Us Part 2 situation, which yes, Games of the Decade is our longest episode, but Last of Us Part 2 was our longest recording session. You can tell. It's yeah. a good episode. I think yeah. we're all proud of it, but like we were all as drained as the characters in that game by the end of recording. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Mother 3 somehow, I was trying to finish the game minutes before we recorded. I was still in bed. I woke up at 6 a.m. to finish Mother 3 on my custom-made Game Boy Advance. I didn't. I was like out of time. I was worried about my AA batteries running out to play this game that was never <laughs> released here. And uh, then I did it. I jumped. I just splashed cold water on my face, shaved. It was the first time our friend Will, who was our guest, who was awesome. Very excited to, to feature him. This is the first time he's seeing my face. I have to shave. I've got to look nice. I put on a sweater that kind of looks like something Lucas would wear. It has stripes. And then I sat down and then it was time for bed. Yeah. <laughs> like as soon as yeah. we were done, I've never had a day. I was like, I had shit to do. I, like, I, had to, I had to call like three people be like, I'm sorry. This took all day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened. So here we are. So we're we're in this kind of weird headspace where like <laughs> literally all of yesterday was spent talking about Mother 3. And I got to say, I'm not, this isn't even me trying to hype the episode up. This is me just like speaking plainly. It went some places that I was not <laughs> expecting it to go. And I'm very interested to see how everybody responds to it. As we always say, like the bonus episodes are kind of our chance to break from our normal formula a little bit. And I think yeah. uh, at least on my end, very much did. <laughs> and I'm, I'm interested to see how it comes out. I think it's going to be a good time. I, I think that having Will on was really fun. And I think it was also a game I'm glad I got to experience because like it has been hyped up for me so much. So it was cool to finally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, it was it was nice to finally put a face to the name kind of in a weird way. Um, yeah. And uh, I'll leave it at that for now. But uh, ex- yeah. expect an interesting vibe in that episode. It'll be out sometime in March is the hope. Yeah. Should be at the end of the month. That, uh, thankfully, we have enough time for AJ to edit it. We usually like, here's the episode on the 29th. Good yeah. luck. Sorry, AJ. Sorry, AJ. But also thank you. But also thank you. So yeah, but we're here. It's morning again. We're rejuvenated. <laughs> we've had a big, we, we've, we're at that point of like out of energy, maybe a slightly hungover where we had a big breakfast, but now we're also having a little drink just to like it's true. bridge the gap between realities. <laughs> uh, so this is like kind of like my favorite place to be in airy season that is. Uh, but yeah, this episode is going to be fun. We've been playing like a bunch of different things. Like we said, we had to like really focus on finishing Mother 3 in time for the episode. So that took like the spotlight away from a lot of other things we've been wanting to play. But we did manage to check out a decent amount of stuff. And I'm excited to uh, bring up what we have planned. So yeah, this is a little like breakfast buffet smorgasbord of, of video games in the beginning. Scrambled eggs with a metal spoon, you know. Uh, wet potatoes. Kind of <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> yeah, this is a continental breakfast. Yeah. Uh, so, so what do you got for us this area season, Brendan? What have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing a bunch of stuff, and I, and I think um, I'll, I'll just start with the most like timely one because I think it's it's the one that I could probably speak to the most. Um, yeah, is Outriders, 
which is mm. a game I didn't really know existed. Um, you and I have definitely like seen it in press events, have probably talked about it before. And I have to imagine I didn't go back and check, but I have to imagine that both of us were like, I don't know what this is. And then just forgot about it immediately. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, by, yeah. it's being published by Square Enix. It's by a team uh. called People Can Fly, um, who are responsible in part for the Gears of War franchise, apparently. Um, oh, or wow. as like consists of people from that team. And I got to be honest, I, I went and I went back and watched some trailers. because I was like, I got to like figure out what's going on here at all. And just like did not inspire confidence in, in my like thinking that I'm might be into this game at all it, it has that very like we're trying to make destiny uh but also like a, kind of a little bit of the like gears of war crunchiness to it i think which is like not really what i'm here for in most instances yeah. like i just I, I i i just don't need that in my life for the most part you know there's there's a very specific like brand of xbox game that existed on like the 360 you know yes and like that's what outriders is going for is like that tone and that's Mountain not do yeah Mountain. yeah and that's not really what i'm into so imagine my surprise when uh they announced that outriders is coming to game pass day one in april i think uh first week of april or second week of april something like that it's going to be uh, immediately on game pass and there's a free demo available which has been available for a while but there's a demo available that you could download right now and i was like you know what it's going to be on game pass the demo progress carries over into the full game so like love that i love that in in the uh in the universe that i blip to in which i like this video game <laughs> my progress will carry over uh, so I decided to download the demo and I played through it. Um, and let me tell you, it's not bad. Um, I might actually put more time into it when the full thing comes out, which I'm very surprised to say. Uh, but I also think the trailers do not do a very good job of like describing what this game is or is about, or even is kind of like looking at from a narrative perspective. Cause a lot of it is just like, you have superpowers and guns. And then like, it has the exact shooting and like cover mechanics of gears of war, uh, yeah. without the active reload, which really bums me out. Cause like of all the things in gears of war, you should steal from, you know, steal your own work. It should be the active reload because that's very yeah. fun. It's fun to press that button. Anyway, Outriders is uh, uh, just to set up what the game is. Uh, you you start out with, um, you, you know, you make your own character and you land on this planet uh, essentially to like scope it out with a bunch of other scientists uh, to just say like, hey, this is where humans are going to colonize. Like humans had to leave Earth for some reason. And here's the new place we're checking out. And you very, very quickly realize that the planet that you scoped out and have been traveling to for like 500 years is fucked. There is something extremely wrong with this planet. Uh, and the scientists who scoped it out way back when were like clearly hiding some shit just because they like it was the only option. So they shuttled the mm. people there just hoping that they would be able to like overcome the adversity of what happens there, uh, which is kind of an interesting take. It feels a little bit like um, the better parts of James Cameron's avatar. Uh, it's like... <laughs> There are some interesting uh -huh. ideas in James Cameron's Avatar, and then it really goes down a path that just makes that movie really pretty bad, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I know a lot of people like that movie. I did not really at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's been like a, a foe for you. It comes up every now and then as like an adversarial presence. Yeah, I think I'm just most upset that they just immediately greenlit five more 
you know? <laughs> right. And like, who is that for? Not to be mean, but it's like, we were what, like teenagers when the first one came out. Yeah. So like, we're the audience. And I truly don't know anyone my age who's like been waiting for Avatar 2. If I've learned one thing about fandom on the internet, <laughs> there is definitely a group of people out there who are so excited for Avatar 2 to happen. And that's awesome. More power to you. I just, yeah. you know, it, it just baffles me. I'm um, hoping because James Cameron is a person who makes good movies sometimes. And I'm hoping yeah. that he course corrects with the second one and makes something actually, you know, worth He's watching. He's good at making sequels. Terminator 2. Very good at making sequels. Uh, what else? Home Alone 2. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Pigeon Lady was really a great addition. <laughs> James Cameron, he knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so there, there are some interesting there, there are some interesting vibes in the opening of this game where you're kind of like making your way around this like really, really lush planet. Um, you know, you're one of like the first 15 people down on the ground and you just kind of like make your way around and like check out the flora and fauna and like kind of report back. It, it feels really good. Uh, and a lot of the writing is and, and, and a lot of the performances are actually really good. Um, it, it feels very much like a demo in a, in a lot of cases where like the animations like purely just aren't there yet not all the textures are really like what they should be probably and i imagine will be updated by the time the full thing comes out but i found it like charming in a way that i didn't expect especially from like the hoorah kind of uh marketing that yeah, i was seeing this was right. much more interested in like the sci-fi part of it uh which i was really into i won't say what happens in case like you don't want it really spoiled but uh some stuff happens that then causes you to go back into cryo sleep for like a hundred to two hundred years something along those lines and when you wake up it is like mad max uh when you mm. wake up you wake up like in the middle of like a, a war zone essentially um everyone in the faction that you came with are completely eliminated you're the last one left and there's a war between these two factions and like a really horrifying like alien storm that's happening uh, and there's just like lightning striking all over the place uh and it strikes you maybe unsurprisingly, which gives you like superpowers, kind of gives you like mm. destiny superpowers. And then it really just kind of turns into like open world quest game. Uh, it kind of turns into, you know, live service destiny thing. What I what I like about it is that they're not trying to be destiny, really, from what I've seen, at least in the interviews and stuff. It seems like they're not trying to be a live service game like it is. It has a beginning and an end. They just have a lot of quests in there and you can play them all with your friends, which I like That's you know, cool. to take yeah. to take that idea and be like, we're not actually going to commit to like running this game for the next decade it's just this i think it's a good idea especially throwing it on game pass immediately so a lot of people yeah. can play with their friends i think it's cool it, it definitely doesn't feel mechanically like as good as gears of war which like for all the like negative things i can say about gears of war mechanically those games are really tight yeah and especially at the time that really like yeah i think at, at a certain point cover based shooting became like a very tired concept but when that came out that you know in a post Halo GoldenEye world, right. you know, that was like a very revolutionary idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked those first two games when they came out and I was in high school. Me too. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were, I mean, they were like really leaning into like being campy, like G.I. Joe vibes. But I think there's like a danger in doing that without <laughs> realizing like how yes. like toxic it can be. But um, it seems like even the later entries that have kind of veered away from that a little bit, but I haven't played them. So I can't I, really talk about it. I did play it. some of Gears 5, which I did. Yeah. I I don't think I played three or four, um, but I, I, I played some of five and was like really surprised at how much it kind of turned into a uh, almost like a like a triple A Sony game in a way. Right. Like, like third like person. Kind yeah, of questioning kind of, the old days. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It, it It's surprisingly good and looks really good on the new Xboxes, by the way. And, I th I and it's on Game Pass. So like if you're ever curious about it, uh, maybe give it a shot. But also it has a lot of that like I don't even I, I don't know like how to actually articulate the vibe that I'm trying to 
speak to, but you know what I'm talking about. I can see you nodding. I absolutely you know exactly do. what yeah. I mean. <laughs> There's just something because I think you and I keep waiting for like what's going to be the like Xbox exclusive that's like exciting to us. Yeah. And truly, I don't need one because I think that what I found I use my Series S for is like just like a Game Pass machine and like the ability to play all these older games. Like, you know, the fact that they're advertising like, hey, Game Pass now has every Doom game and every Elder Scrolls game. Yeah. Uh, La- you know, in the last week, they just added a ton of stuff to Game Pass, including like almost every Bethesda game. And not to mention, like, they're also advertising, like, okay, we're, we have like all the Yakuza games. Like, they, they, as much as I think the Xbox exclusives have like a specific market and genre, the, the attention to Game Pass and what's available there is so much wider in terms of like yeah. the indie library and the, and the like RPG library. You know, and I think it's, it's very obvious. Is that they're trying to go for a, a better market in, in Japan with like the RPGs that are coming to it. I think there's a big rumor that Persona 5 is coming to Game Pass and like what a world that you can get a, a green ass <laughs> glowing Mountain Dew Series X and play Persona 5 and it's not on Switch. Just unbelievable. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's cool. I, I'm excited to see what else happens with the system. I mean, it's still very early on, but I'm very happy I have one already, yeah. which is kind of cool. And them occasionally doing deals like this where a game like Outriders which like had a little bit of buzz but not much now has this chance to kind of flourish because everyone is going to have it for free immediately well not for free you know what I mean going to have it on Game Pass immediately just kind of does exactly the same thing like Fall Guys did or Rocket League on PlayStation Plus right like that that kind of became a model over on the PlayStation side where like if you launch on PlayStation Plus you're going to have this huge influx of uh, in a player base and it's going to like sustain your game and it's going to cause sales on other platforms also because the buzz will be so great and uh, a lot of people in the Discord actually talking about this recently but there are like actual interviews with developers talking about how releasing their game on game pass boosted sales elsewhere um and i've mentioned on this show multiple times that i have played games on game pass for like an hour and then immediately downloaded them on switch i did that oh, with yeah. moonlighter i did that with uh with Iconfell, and what was the other one? Oh, wizard of legend is another one i've done that with I, I i do that pretty constantly and i just think that game pass is like an unbelievable deal but being able to check out a game like Outriders that I had like, I didn't know it existed, watched the trailer, thought it looked bad and not like my thing at all. And then ended up having a pretty good like two hour time with it. And like, we'll maybe check the full game out when it launches. That's really cool, man. Yeah, I think my three most like dramatic experiences with game pass have been checking out forza a game i had no interest in and yeah. enjoying it yeah but also um even more dramatically you know famously i didn't really mesh with dragon quest 11 originally we talked about that a lot right in our january bonus episode one of my favorite ones okay but the it's not a game i would have like purchased again to give it a second chance but I absolutely gave it a second chance because it was on Game Pass. And guess what? I ended up purchasing it again yeah. uh, and and finished the end game. I have over 200 hours in that game. <laughs> and also, um, what, what, oh, Sea of Thieves. That's a game I haven't purchased, but I have spent money in game to get a pet parakeet with a vest because i was like i've had so much i've actually played a lot more of that since we last talked about it and it's so much fun yeah with a group of friends and like i was like okay i'm basically playing this for free i would happily throw like five dollars for a pet parakeet also if you're worried about like that not being worth it it's worth it get a pet <laughs> and see a thieves the attention to detail like what they do just hanging out on your ship it like adds so much to the experience and they dance when you dance or play instruments incredible yeah that's you can awesome. get a monkey a parakeet a dog cat you can get anyway, a dog and get a dog maybe i'll get a dog and see if he's bird I th- you should because i think our friend pablo has a cat who's like a weird like ghoul cat with like bones and oh, nice. glowing eyes 
Uh, I've got a parakeet. I think someone else is a monkey. So we don't have any dogs in the crew. So TikTok. Right. I'll, I'll get a dog and see a thieves. But yeah, man, I, I, Outriders <laughs> was like a surprising time. And I, I just I just can't believe how much I liked it. Um, I know AJ. Hi, AJ. Uh, also, also downloaded it. And I think he and I are going to play it together when it comes out. Oh, fun. Um, so if you we wanna, need another game for the three of us to stream together. Yeah. So if you want to download it and join us, feel free. I don't. Yeah, the, the thing is, like, I don't think it's your vibe, but it's also not really my vibe either. But I'm probably still going to play it anyway. Uh, just we'll have fun be a together cool with it. It. yeah yeah i'm, I'm de- definitely not check it out also in terms of games we're gonna play together on stream potentially monster hunter rise comes out next week yeah oh Holy my shit, god i'm man. so excited for that <laughs> yeah it, it, like every other day it just hits me and then i text you and our friends like this comes out soon it's like oh my god yeah that's like i think uh you know there's already been a few games that have come out this year that have been really fun but that's like the first that comes out that i'm really excited for you know yeah this is exactly how I felt when World was coming out also. Yeah. Because uh, I, I just I just felt that World was going to be really big with my friends. Um, and that's how I feel about Rise right now. It's going to be cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I even have more people this time that want to play together. So, like, we're going to have, like, two groups. It's going to be great. Yeah. Sign me up, baby. Play Monster anyway. Hunter with your friends and also maybe Outriders on Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> I do feel, honestly, because I, I just, I keep thinking about this because every time I am in my living room and I look at my PlayStation 5, I'm like, I don't have anything to play on this. And it just bums me out that like the PS5 just feels kind of useless at the moment. Like if you had a PS4 and you bought a PS5, like there's really not a lot going on there. And that's really kind of a bummer. Um, It is. The only games I'm playing are PS4 games that are being like ported over with like next gen patches. Right. Yeah. I feel like the most excited I would be is like playing FF14 and Ghost of Tsushima on PS5. Yeah. Which like, is that worth $500? No, no. But is a subscription to FF14 worth $500 over time? Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I've said this many times, but Sony always releases the system too soon. And I think it's especially noticeable now because like pretty much everything is being pushed back again. And I it would expect that. I mean, I think yeah, like, there's been a lot of delays in the past like two weeks. I said I was going to like wait until this summer to maybe get a PS5 and I might even wait longer. It really depends on truly. And this is not a bit. It will sound like one. But you, if you know me, you know, it's true. If FF16 is a Sony exclusive. Yeah. Then I will get the PS5. But I feel I just feel like it's going to be on Xbox, too, based on how much work Microsoft is doing to just like partner with people. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I would not be surprised if it was like not a Sony exclusive because the other ones haven't. Every been. Final Fantasy game is on game pass right now like square has and dragon quest obviously like square has a relationship with with microsoft at the moment Um, yeah yeah just it just seems like they're investing in that and for and from what i'm hearing uh you know to add on to your persona 5 for game pass rumor the the that rumor stems from how happy sega is about the performance of yakuza on game pass and they're like oh what other entire franchises can we bring over to game pass and uh persona seems like it might be there i'm also seeing some stuff about maybe shin Megami tensei 3 which was you know announced for switch also making its way to game pass which is interesting um That's so cool. who knows yeah i don't know it, it just it just we said it like right when the new xbox came out but like game pass is the killer app and not only like is that still true but like i think that that was right on the money because microsoft just keeps doubling down and investing in that in that uh, library and man it's good sony really needs to make their own otherwise it's going to be like a very like i don't know it's it just seems they did the ps plus collection it was just like here's the best of the playstation 4 and it's available if you have playstation plus and like that's really cool if you didn't have a ps4 but i played literally every single game (laughs) that is is in the (laughs) ps plus collection except for days gone which i don't really have any interest in playing um yeah so like i don't really know 
I don't really know what to do with that system at the moment, which is like kind of a bummer to say because I was excited about it. But, uh, you know, there are only yeah. a few exclusives at the moment. I'll, I'll again, I'll probably eventually get one because like I, I want to check out FF7 remake, you know, stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's sort of like out of obligation, not out of like <laughs> excitement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I, I mean, again, PS2 came out and it was Tekken Tag and a wrestling game for like two years. And right. then it, and then it Kingdom became Hearts the PS2. And FF10. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we'll see. Yeah. Okay, cool. I guess uh, what else has been going on by you in terms of what you're playing? Uh, you you want to talk about the game that you and I both played? Yeah, sure. For mobile? For mobile. It's also on Steam and Switch, actually, which is kind of cool. Oh, nice. But Daddish 2 is out. You guessed <laughs> it. Uh, we did actually both play Daddish 1, and we talked about it, and we both loved it. Um, yeah. Daddish, uh, I, I believe the first one was only on mobile. I may be wrong, but... That's on Switch was, now, though. Oh, it's on Switch now? Yeah. Cool. Um, Daddish 1 was like a really... I would actually recommend, if you if you pick up Daddish 1, I would recommend it on mobile, because like... Me too. It's one of the few mobile games that I think really does well with like a virtual controller. That's so hit and miss for me. Yeah. And basically it's like, you know, bottom left of the screen, you go right and left. And then bottom right is the jump button. And Dash 1 is like a really, it's like a really solid platformer. Um, that's obviously borrowing a lot from like Kirby and Mega Man and, you know, a lot of Nintendo platformers. But like, it's impressive how well they understand platforming. And like, a lot of levels will be about kind of teaching you some kind of rule mm-hmm. or like logic that that then is tested. And I think the standout thing for Dash 1 is like how funny it is. You're a radish that's a dad. And at the end of every level, you save one of your many kids. Yeah. And you have like a, two or three line dialogue exchange that feels like a little mini comic you get yeah and they're always funny yeah they're always funny so when Dadish 2 came out i think at the end of last month uh, in february but Dadish 2 we now have both acquired and played and it's really good i'll say this so immediately i noticed that it looked better like there's definitely like a a heightened production in terms of the visuals and all that Dash one looked good, but it looked kind of simple. It looked like something you might play on Newgrounds, you know, like mm. it had, uh, I don't mean that as an insult, but just, it had like a very simple palette. This game like r- is really utilizing color and like a Game Boy Advance kind of way. Yeah, where like absolutely. the first, the first world is the office that Dadish works at <laughs> and you're like in an office building, but then in the background, there's like a purple and pink night sky with like city buildings and stuff. And it's really cool. I will say this, the first world I was like, okay, I'm really enjoying this. I love the music, I love the presentation. I love, you know, the comics or not comics, but um, the dialogue with the kids at the end of the level. But it feels a lot like Daddish One. Yeah, like exactly like Daddish One. Yeah, right. Because um, once you beat the first world, <laughs> you're reunited with uh, Hamburgerlerger. I, I don't. It's so hard to read his name. It's like Burgerlerger or something. Yeah, I'm not really sure but what it is either. He's a big hamburger. All the enemies are like junk food, uh, and you meet this big hamburger who I guess is an enemy in the first game and he's like i'm no longer evil yeah he was like the uh the main bad guy in the first game oh okay yeah he's like (laughs) i'm going to bed at the right time so i'm not evil anymore but i did lose my hat so you then start adventuring together um (laughs) and he basically becomes like the yoshi so like stage one world two felt like okay this is they're up in the ante with this like addition of like a yoshi type character where when you're riding on the big hamburger he is on autopilot so all you can do is jump um and i'll say this about dadish too it's much harder like it feels like 
like if Dadish One is like a nod to Kirby and like old Mario games, a Dadish Two feels like it's like a Celeste like in some ways. <laughs> where like it really it, it is designed in this like kind of massacre way, where like you have to be exactly right to get through some things. But I I do think it's a better game. I would recommend Dadish One to more people, and I think that like maybe play the first one to get a taste for it. And if you like it and you have an appetite for like a a really well-made and difficult platformer. I think Dadish 2 is like really on another level. I think would be more appropriate to have on Switch because like it, it takes a lot to be a platformer on the Switch. That feels like you're showing up to like the <laughs> VIP club. You know, it's like yeah. on the same system as like every Mario game and Celeste and all this stuff. It's like, oh, sweetie, what are you doing? But like <laughs> Dadish 2, I think actually shows off the game design way more than the first one, even though it's very difficult. I felt like it does such a good job of teaching you how the environment works. And there's a lot more tools now. So like you might have a level where you're like on a raft that's permanently going at the time you jumps. There are switches you push where like things will slowly close you at the time, like when you push it and when you go, there are vines to climb and the other Yoshi hamburger character. I think it's really great. I'm on world three, so I'm still pretty early on, but I, I definitely think like, it looks better. The music is incredible. Like, the yeah, music is the a music really is so big good. standout. And it's it's still so funny. I've laughed out loud many times. There's a moment where it's when you're riding the hamburger for the first time and you get to the end of the level and there's just like a possum there instead of one of your kids. Yeah. And that is just like, hey, are you okay? And he just goes like, ah! <laughs> and it's like screams and that's it. It's so funny. I won't I won't repeat what happens later, but like it's a really funny game and it's it's a great time. Yeah. It's worth mentioning also that both of them are free but have in-app purchases that let you get rid of the ads uh because there are yeah. ads like I, I think every four or five worlds or something and i think sometimes if you die uh if, if i'm not mistaken but uh you, you could pay i think it's three bucks to get rid of the yeah, ads it's less than and, five yeah which i i remember i did that like halfway into dadish one and then with dadish two i just like checked to see if that was an option then immediately did it so i'm, I'm not really sure even how many ads they have in the second one but uh it's really good man I, it it's funny because like so many people have tried to do this exact game on mobile before like i remember even back like before i had an iPhone but like had an iPod touch like people trying to make games like this and like they kind of worked but something something about Dadish just like really hits all the notes that I need it to and and what's really wonderful about the first one at least is that it takes like maybe two hours like the whole yeah, thing it's a short game yeah it will only take like two hours I'm on I'm it's like towards the end of world two at the moment and I think I've played for like 30 minutes yeah so like you could just kind of fly through it it's like a really fun game to just like download and play if you have you know a couple hours and you don't really know what to do um you could just play both of them uh that that developer also as far as i know it's just one person uh, their name is thomas k young but they have a bunch of games like if you hop into the app store you can check out the other stuff they made they have this whole series called faust which uh kind of feels like um like a more platforming centric version of downwell in a way which yeah. is like very much one of my favorite ios games ever that's really cool there so there's faust super faust and super faust 2 um, which are all great and all very different, which I think is kind of cool. And, th- and that's what I like about Dadish as well is like Dadish 1 to Dadish 2 feels like two different things. Like Dadish 1 was Super Mario Brothers and 2 is Super Mario World. And uh, yeah, into it. Dadish yeah. 2. Highly recommend it. It's, uh, it's great to see this developer back with a new game because we both really love Dadish, but like by the end of 2020, it was hard to like justify it being in Goatee. But like, I mean, there's so few games out in 2021 right now. This is definitely like on my list of like stuff that stood out so far, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, it, would ju- it literally just was a situation where I was on the app store looking at stuff that was available and it was just like, you might like this because you downloaded this, you know? And it's like, oh, you downloaded Dadish, so you'd probably like Dadish too. It's like, yeah, I would probably like Dadish too. <laughs> Tim Cook. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a great time. I mean, there's so many. The, the first world where you're in the office, all your kids are like, why do you work here? There are buzzsaws everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, so hey, you know, corporate. Uh, it's great. It's a yeah. good time. <laughs> there's one that's like, do you even know what you do here? And he's like, yeah, mergers. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorites there there are enemies that are these like jars of mustard that squirt mustard out and at the end uh the kid is like the kid you save is like dad like those things are squirting mustard at you that's really rude and he's like well i kind of feel bad for them because if even if i wasn't here they'd be doing that they're just sort of cursed to like <laughs> squirt mustard occasionally for eternity uh which i thought was really funny but yeah it's it's great it's a, it's it's such a low investment to get like either free or for a few dollars and i think like even if you play with ads you'll get enough time with it to like get a taste if you like it or not but it's a great time highly recommend yeah daddish too daddish too uh, so actually that actually is like maybe a good segue into uh, where I found Daddish 2 specifically um, I got a new iPad recently I got an iPad and a, and a keyboard for it um, I'm, I, I've been thinking about writing about this or something but I, I'm kind of like mentally and like actually physically preparing for like a post vaccine world and like going out and being able to do things again which is kind of an exciting place to be like I got a camera so oh, I could yeah. like take a bunch of pictures of like my friends and stuff when we're all able to see each other and stuff and, uh, I, and I got this for like when I'm inevitably able to like go work out of a cafe or something but i also just like haven't had an ipad that had enough storage space on it in a while where i could like download a game and play it which is nice uh to finally have that situation so that that's where i saw daddish 2 was out while i was just looking for like ipad specific games and i've been playing a couple recently uh that i'm just going to kind of like fly through but just kind of want to yeah. give a shout out to um the the big one for me believe it or not is the original roller coaster tycoon hell yeah which is amazing on ipad i know it's available on I iphone i can imagine yeah. also uh so you can, you can get it on iphone but it is so good on ipad um if you if you have a tablet and you have any nostalgia for roller coaster tycoon i think it's like either six bucks or ten bucks and is so worth it like i just like sunk my entire morning this morning like i didn't get out of bed i just like stayed in bed and played roller coaster tycoon all morning until we recorded today <laughs> and uh it's it's still good man i mean it's amazing to think that that whole game was made by one person yeah and that they like it, they, they didn't like invent a new programming language but they used like this really archaic one that like you should not use to make video games and like it just became this huge uh this like huge like industry game changer essentially that this guy made this game uh which i think eventually got acquired by atari and like there's a whole long legacy i highly recommend like looking up and reading up about like the making of and what happened with roller coaster tycoon because it's fascinating but i mean th this game is a classic for a reason and it still works so well and even though oh, they yeah. like went and changed the ui around so it works better on ipad um it's still like extremely hits i'm i'm such a big fan of it still uh i kind of downloaded it on a whim just to see what it would be like and uh it has weirdly become like the game that i playing the most on my ipad at the moment there are some games that are just built for a tablet that's one of them any kind of like city planner game or like a yeah. uh, strategy game which i think you're going to talk about soon is like perfect on a tablet yeah uh, yeah and that that leads me to uh the other game that i'm playing um so it's worth mentioning also that ftl is on there which i haven't yes uh really played a whole lot i did have that on my old ipad um i like specific my old ipad had like almost no storage space so like even downloading apps was like <laughs> and then it would just like stop <laughs> working kill me yeah it literally it, it got to the point where i was only using that ipad as a second monitor for my computer uh because i just right. like, couldn't do anything with it unfortunately like i would open up procreate it'd be like you have two layers to use like okay cool thanks <laughs> um anyway uh ftl great on ipad if you if you have a tablet it's uh, so good, definitely yeah. recommend it but uh the other game i'm playing is uh civilization 6 which is um a really interesting experience because it's one that i bounced off of on the nintendo switch because it came out yeah. on switch uh, initially 
Um, and I just found that like some of the changes they made between five, which was like my big civilization game. I feel like mm. everyone who's like into Civ like has, has like one their yeah. game. Is that the one for you too? Mine's three. Actually. I really loved three. That tracks for me. That makes sense that it, yours would be three. <laughs> cause, cause two is like the, the, you know, foundational one and it's like very old school. Yeah. Two but is three, like Diablo two in a, in a weird way. Yes. And, and Civ three is definitely like the oblivion of Civ because like, yeah, they hadn't settled on the more like DreamWorksy art style. So everyone is very uncanny valley and they like slowly move their head while they look at you. <laughs> and like what I love about Civ 3 is that, you know, so for those who don't know, in Civilization, you play as one of many civilizations and they're all represented by a leader from history. So like I think America in Civ 3 is Abraham Lincoln, uh, Egypt is Cleopatra, India is Gandhi. You know, you, you get the you get the picture. But what's interesting is that it, it starts off in the when you start a Civ game, you're in the BC prehistoric times and then it goes up until modern day and then it may, sometimes even the future. But like no matter when the leader is from, they'll be wearing like attire that fits the period. Yeah. So you'll see Abraham Lincoln and like fur rags and like, you know, it's great. sort of BC era stuff. It's so good. I yeah. love it. Or like I, Julius, I really wish they kept doing that, honestly. It's so much fun. Or like Julius Caesar and like a tux. It's like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, my, my, so my big one was five. That was like, you know, I, I had always heard the whole, like, uh, one more turn kind of like goof about the civilization games. And then one day I just decided to check it out. Cause I, I had a gaming PC for a while. Um, and I, and I got Civ five and like, I really did play that game for almost 24 straight hours. The first time I downloaded it, like I just didn't yeah. do anything but play Civ five. So I was really excited about six, especially at launching on switch. It just felt like such a natural thing. Like, Oh cool. I can use the touch screen when it's in dock and when it's in handheld mode and then, you know, play it on the TV. TV, and I just found that like it didn't run very well uh, in handheld or docked and a lot of the changes they had made between five and six like didn't really work for me also so I just kind of had a really bad time and something kind of compelled me to check it out on iPad recently uh, I just remember real quick I remember when because you played that like really early on in the show like maybe first season you like briefly talked about it yeah and you just said like the whole experience is Teddy Roosevelt saying how bad I am at the game. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. And that, that was that's the that's kind of the big change that I made personally between this playthrough and the last one was like in the last one. Right when you start the game, you know, you have like an advisor who like kind of tells you like what you should do and literally advises you. But like right when you start your first game, it's like, OK, I'm your advisor. Let me know like what your comfort level is with this game. It's like I am new to Civilization as a franchise. I'm new to Civ 6 specifically, but have played other ones or like I don't need anything like I'm good. You don't need to advise me. It's just like let me know what upgrade I should buy. And when I played on the Switch, I chose I'm new to Civ 6. So like they just kind of like walked me through some of those changes. And this time on iPad, it's been so long for me that I was like, you know what? Just pretend I'm new I'm to civilization. New. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, tell me what I should be doing in general. And I've been having a much more enjoyable experience. I will say it still has the same issue that I had before. This time it's not with Teddy Roosevelt. This time it's with Gandhi. But like pretty much everyone I meet just hates me outright. Yeah. Immediately. I think there was a notable like I remember reading about it. It might be five or six, but the AI in one of those games is like aggressively hostile no matter what you do. Yes. Like it's like unless you're appeasing them, they will want to go to war with you like by default. Like so you're already which is like really weird because I think in three I remember like you had to like, kind of go out of your way to start a war unless they were a very aggressive civilization like Rome or something where they wanted to 
expand. Is that the, is that the one where where Gandhi was glitched though? That's actually two. So it started That's two. Okay, uh, it was uh, for those who don't know. So like every civilization has their strengths. So like um, I think it's like, and that's actually what I love about the series that you don't have to win through military. You can win by a cultural victory or a scientific victory. I think if you win the space race, you beat the game. Yeah. So there's like it's kind of has that Catan vibe where there are like multiple paths to victory. But all the leaders have you know their own personalities and their own like stats. You know that the game keeps track of. And Gandhi was supposed to be obviously the peaceful leader mm-hmm. or one of the more peaceful leaders but for some reason his like the probability of him using nuclear weapons was like 990 like it was a glitch where it was all nine so like yeah. no matter what you did Gandhi would would just destroy some with, with nuclear weapons at a certain point in the game <laughs> and that was like so noticed by the fan base that they've just sort of kept it in as a joke yes uh, which is is very silly but so I, I'm in this place in my current run where like I spawned essentially like right next to Gandhi uh, oh, no. <laughs> and, and he and I are getting along famously at the moment oh, which is great I built a trade yeah. route to his uh, city like we're, we're good at the moment which is nice who are you uh, playing as I don't even know actually because I just picked like put me in a game I didn't even like oh gotcha I didn't even said anything I'm trying to think um I think I'm I think I'm Scotland uh so I don't know I who really that is. liked playing as the Iroquois in three because they had like scouts that could go really far oh cool um, yeah. and honestly too I mean I'll say this like as an 11 year old playing Civ 3 like, I learned a lot about history like yeah I mean obviously it's like a very cartoony and not accurate way the game itself but like there's so much in the glossaries it's a very educational game for for younger people I think yeah they really do include a lot of stuff for you to read up on in the game which yeah. I, I think is really wonderful um so what, what i'll say about civ 6 at the moment is that it feels much more native on ipad i'm sure it feels great comparatively on like pc uh you sure. know if you're gonna play it like where it was built essentially but compared to the switch version the ipad version is like a night and day experience for me i'm like actually having a good time with it now um <laughs> and uh, i'm excited when we're done recording i will probably play more civ 6 today yeah. which is fun i think civ 6 like a lot of people were disappointed with when it came out and it's seems like they've made some changes i under the hood if i were to guess i'm not really sure because i haven't looked it up but like it feels slightly different to be playing it now versus when it first came out um and it just feels really good to be tapping on stuff instead of like using the weird switch controls to do things totally i'm I'm having a much better experience with it i i might bring it back if i talk or if i play a little bit more of it which i kind of imagine i probably will if i were to guess but civ 6 is really good at the moment and uh, i like it a lot what's what's also really cool about about the ipad which i didn't realize is that there are a lot of games like that on there you know there every once in a while there are games that come out for ipad and not for iphone ftl i think is a really notable example there um, yeah so good where like people have been clamoring for an iphone version of ftl forever but like it's just gonna say on ipad it seems like but that said uh there, there are a couple other ipad versions of things that I've, I've been considering checking out that i like are versions of games that i loved when i was a kid like civ like rome total war is available on ipad which like i loved the total war games i played like all of them growing up <laughs> um and uh I'm, I'm just really excited to be able to check those out tropico is on there which is cool and then there's a bunch of of like people who have just tried to make SimCity clones for the iPad. Uh, so yeah. I, I think I'm probably going to like see what this is like as a as a thing to play video games on. And I, I think the thing that I'm most interested in is like, how's it going to feel to like use xCloud on it and and uh, PS4 or sorry, PS5 remote play? Because I think that's going to be an interesting experience as well. But uh, 
yeah, I don't know. Just expect me to talk a little bit more about that at some point. That's kind of what I've been playing. I've been playing all that stuff. It's a lot of stuff, but it's all been really fun. It's awesome. I'm happy for you. Thanks. It's nice to be in this time where there's just sort of like, there's not really a lot of commitments going on. You know, there aren't. Now that we have the bonus done, we can kind of just, you know, pick and choose yeah. like in, a, in a grape vineyard. Like, ooh, too sweet, too sour. You know, yeah. it's great. That was the thing. I think I think Mother 3, like, it just felt like such a weight to like have to talk about because there's, you know, just like mountains and mountains of mountains of like online and fan related context like behind that game so talking about it it feels like stepping around eggshells you know Um, it feels like we watched rocky horror once and then talked about it that's kind of the vibe (laughs) i think you know where it's like this is like to watch that movie once and to not engage with uh, you know the why people go to rocky horror events right it's it's actually it's like we watched it once at home uh (laughs) and then had to talk about it yeah yeah but oh my god i will absolutely go to a rocky horror screening once people are vaccinated i did do one during the pandemic did Did i tell you that no how was it i did one during the pandemic at a drive-in there was a drive-in in in queens that i went to uh which which was really fun uh it was the it was like dead middle of winter but like people still had their windows down and were like yelling which was cool but like everybody had to stay in their cars and wear masks and stuff yeah there's a movie theater in chicago called the music box it's really famous and it's like this really old school movie theater um um, they show a lot of great stuff, like a lot of indie film and foreign film, but they also have a lot of like events. They did a whole like screening of all of Miyazaki's movies a couple years ago, which is really cool. Cool. But then they also do like events for like The Room and Rocky Horror and stuff. I would love to go to one of those. It'd be so much fun. And not, not I'd to... probably dress up as Brad, but like soaking wet from the rain, you know? Because <laughs> I think like if you go for your first time, they call you virgin, right? Yeah. Uh, and they like they like pull you up on stage. So I think I would just like roll in, like just be Brad pre Tim Curry, you know? <laughs> I think if you showed up as Brad soaking wet, they wouldn't think that it was your first time going. <laughs> That's already a little bit too in the weeds. One of my favorite college classes was just all about cult films. It was so much fun. And there were some people, like when we watched Rocky Horror, there were some people who like knew it and they were doing the call outs and stuff. It was fun. It's a good time. Not to not to um, keep this going, but do you think that Cats is going to become that? I think so. I think it was I think starting so to, yeah. you know, because there, there were like... <laughs> I heard about it like there were they they had a name for it but there were screenings where it, I think it was like rowdy it was like, this is going to be a rowdy screening Yeah yeah Alamo Drafthouse was doing it And I, and the only call out I know is that whenever Mr. Mistopheles appears they all yell in cell at him Oh my like, god <laughs> <laughs> Which, Brendan, if there are two people on this earth that need to go to a cat's rowdy screening, it's the two of us. Yeah, In holy fact, shit. I think we should make our own because like, we have such an unfortunate connection to that film <laughs> that we have to we have to roll into it. Uh, yeah, I absolutely will. It just add, add it to the pile of post-vaccine stuff. Yeah, I wonder what else. Because there's some... I mean, I feel like there has to be something when Judy Dench shows up because it's like 10 minutes of her walking out of smoke and yeah. like, what do we do? Yeah, Every, everybody just like applaud violently (laughs) for the whole 10 minutes right (laughs) anyway uh it's it's nice to be thinking about this stuff you know i mean i know like the vaccinations are are going at their own pace and like there are a lot of people who like need it that still don't get it supply is still like up and down everywhere in the country in the world but i'm just very happy i i feel hopeful for the first time in a a long time yeah to even be able to have these conversations about like oh here's what i i'm excited to do uh yeah yeah because because there is an end in sight just feels 
really wonderful. I also, my, my two close friends, uh, Sadie and Eric always go to the Ren Fair. And for some reason I never can go with them. Like I'm always like making a trip to Jersey or something. Mm. I need to go. That's like Ren Fair is like the exact vibe I need post pandemic. There's one, uh, in, there's one in Chicago or like around Chicago. I think like in Illinois somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle of Illinois. Um, it's so funny. Like I don't really know. Uh, I haven't really ventured too far out of Chicago, but like whenever I have, it's like you're in a different place, you know? Yeah. Like the jump from Chicago to to like rural Illinois is like I might as well have walked through like a portal yeah as a person <laughs> like who road tripped to outside of Chicago uh last summer uh I I do I do really feel that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um anyway yeah anyway I also watched some of Zack Snyder's Justice League and then <laughs> Uh, the Da Vinci Code and also Angels and Demons. So I've had a weird media week. Should we take a break? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. We'll be back soon, dear listener. Goodbye. Bye. Brendan, we're back, and I'm so excited to bring this game to the table. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I just had a moment where like, I really wish that I could do a Crash Bandicoot going whoa impression like perfectly. <laughs> as soon as it Brend- yeah, that. That's, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I remember like being blown away at the variety of deaths in Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, <know>? man. <laughs> the weird angel. That's very grim. Anyway. Speaking of PS5 stuff, I've been considering <laughs> getting Crash Bandicoot 4 because I haven't played it. And apparently, yeah, you should. Apparently, it's really fun. And they just announced like a, a fun like PS5, like up res version of it. Like maybe I'll check that out at some point. I'm glad to hear it's fun. Honestly, I didn't play the like the remakes of one through three. I heard kind of mixed things about them, honestly. Same. That's why I didn't check them out either. Even though I loved those games growing up, but I didn't even have a PS1 and I still like managed to like find those games at friends' houses and stuff and play through them. I'll, I'll say this Crash 2, I think is the best of the originals like that is the one to play if you're curious yeah three is fun and a lot of, i think a lot of people would point to warped as like the best one but like it's a little overstuffed if you ask me you got the weird <laughs> airplane mode you got the bazooka that shoots the mangoes can like, i be honest you know? steven i think the best crash bandicoot game is crash team racing oh no that's actually a very good take i think you're right like regardless of what else they did with that franchise ctr as we call it in the biz is like easily the best one. Uh, I think that might be yeah. why I liked Forza because I need more racing games that have some semblance of an adventure mode. And it's like <laughs> Diddy Kong Racing and CTR did that and then no one else ever again. Yeah. Which is very interesting. But um, speaking of subgenres, Brendan, <laughs> I'm very excited to bring to the table Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door for the Nintendo GameCube. Uh, Player's Choice bestseller by yeah. Nintendo. I'm looking, a- I'm looking. I have the box right here. So actually, I want to explain how I got this game Real quick, if you don't mind. Steven's showing me the cover on, on our Skype call right now. It yeah, I'm going to read the back. Time passes, the pages turn, <laughs> and a new chapter <laughs> unfolds in an unfamiliar land. Get ready for a two-dimensional role-playing adventure for the ages as Mario returns to paper form to discover a mystery that sleeps behind an ancient Steven, legendary Steven, can you give portal. me a little bit more oomph with this, with this yeah, uh, right. dictation? And maybe AJ throw some music behind it? Time passes, the pages turn. And a new chapter unfolds in an unfamiliar land. Get ready for a two-dimensional role-playing adventure for the ages as Mario returns to paper form to discover a mystery that sleeps behind an ancient, legendary portal called the Thousand-Year Door. The quest is long, the danger's many, and this time Mario will have to make full use of his paperly qualities just to survive. (laughs) Was that better? That was great. It's so long. That sentence had like no commas. It was like, <laughs> <laughs>
So uh, people who've been listening to our show for a while know that like this year, you and I have finally kind of been digging into the Mario RPG library. We brought to the table uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga recently, which is kind of like a spinoff of the Paper Mario game. Loved it. And I think you and I really want to check out the other ones in that series too. But Superstar Saga, just like incredible. Like highly recommend. Ridiculously for, for good all game. time. Yeah. yeah. That actually might be like one of my one of my favorites of this of this category of mario games the mario rpgs yeah and uh we've talked about like uh we talked about bug fables last year which was a game that came out for the switch and on steam i think that was like a very 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 like you know influence on its sleeve spiritual successor to paper mario um there was an rpg where you played as these bugs who lived in like a fantasy kingdom and it had the like presentation and the humor the series is known for but also it was like a very hardcore rpg RPG. So yeah. like we talked about that. We both really liked that game. And I think it's definitely if you if you're like missing this type of RPG, it's absolutely worth picking up. Um, but it is weirdly hard. And I think it's like a, almost too beholden. Like we don't need it to be paper. You know, that's like not the reason people <laughs> yeah. love the series, you know? Yes. That was like my main critique is like you're what you're doing with these original characters and with the kingdom of bugs is so fun. I don't need it to be like one to one, you know, stand up characters that are 2D. Yeah. Uh, I One of the things about uh, Bug Fables is I kind of wish it just kind of like leaned further into pretending to be an N64 game in that like it had kind of the more uh, polygonal, I would say, ideologies about its like character design and world design and stuff. I, I think one of the games that I, I think about constantly is uh, Paratopic. Yes. Which yes. was that, that horror game I played uh, in October on the Switch. Uh, which is great and like is really trying to be like really really early like 3d pc game or like really early like ps1 first person game and like nails it and uses that kind of like unsettling kind of like almost shitty uh 3d (laughs) design to like make make the game actually feel more terrifying which i think is really brilliant and like i kind of want to see more games try and do things like that and and bug fables like a little bit bummed me out in like being so beholden to the paper thing uh because it's it's as we always say with like games that want to be dark souls like the bonfires are not the thing that makes people like dark right. souls and, and to bug fables credit they also they nail what people love of the paper mario which is right. like they get it all like they, they have yeah. everything there but the, the thing they didn't they didn't need everything they just needed a couple yes. things yeah I th- yeah Exactly right. Exactly right. So for those, just like a quick like pitch on on what these games are, these Mario RPGs, for those who haven't listened to our episodes on Mario and Luigi and stuff, um, it all began with Super Mario RPG on Super Nintendo, where Square and Nintendo teamed up I feel like to there do been a like heart playing there. Yeah. It all began. <laughs> it all began one night. The seven crystals representing <laughs> order were shattered by a mustached villain. Yes, it was Mario all along. Um, but anyway, Super Mario RPG was this collaboration, kind of almost like Kingdom Hearts esque, where Square is like, "What if we just like did a weird team up and made an RPG with characters?" you wouldn't assume would be in an RPG. Yeah. And the alchemy was incredible because like there's something about Nintendo properties that almost parallel like uh, Marvel or DC like comic characters where like there's such known properties. Why not have fun with them? And like, yeah, do spins on them and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what happened with Mario RPG was like, it became this very fun tongue in cheek, but high stakes fantasy adventure starring Mario and also like really utilizing how weird the Mario kingdom is and like giving character to like Goombas and Koopas. And, uh, you know, your party in Mario RPG is like really, you have, uh, I think Mario peach and Bowser, but also like this weird cloud with the face that casts lightning and Gino, the weird puppet. But anyway, 
So that was the first one. And then it was followed up by Paper Mario on 64, which I think more people played. And that game, I think, alongside like FF7 and Kingdom Hearts was a lot of people's like first RPG. There's something so inviting and like colorful and easy to understand about Paper Mario that I think it did a lot to really introduce people to RPGs. And like, I think a lot of people who play Paper Mario like realize that the actually this might be for them you know and they might have been daunted by something like ff7 but now that they've played paper mario they may be more equipped to do it you know i think it had a very special place for a lot of people me weirdo steven playing ff7 at age nine i was like ready for paper mario yeah this is like a victory lap for me man (laughs) but i loved it i thought like even having already played games like chrono cross and ff7 Paper Mario was like such a legit RPG and was such a fun and interesting story. It's one of my favorite N64 games. It was followed up by, I'm holding the case again, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door on the Nintendo GameCube bestseller player's choice. Uh, and if you if you like look up conversations about Mario RPGs, like this is the one. Like most people will say this is like the gold standard for the genre. And this is also the swan song at least for Nintendo, because after Thousand Year Door, the Paper Mario series pivoted to being more of like an action platformer. So like the Wii Paper Mario was, um, I think it was just called Super Paper Mario. And the whole game was like, there was no turn-based combat or like leveling up as much. I think there was something resembling it. I didn't play it, but from what I know, it was like the, the selling point was that you could switch between 2 and 3D perspectives, kind of like Fez. So like you'd be progressing along one 2D plane and then you would have to switch to 3D uh, to solve certain puzzles. And like people like that game. It's definitely uh, not as highly regarded. And I think it was the beginning of like Nintendo losing touch at what makes the series great mechanically. They still had the presentation and the writing and the charm, but like the gameplay was not working and they've still yet to realize <laughs> that like we both played uh, Origami King, which is a beautiful game. It's so funny. It's so nice to be there. And the combat is just complete garbage. Like it just is so not effective. And like, ev- like I really tried to like it and there are things to like with the boss fights as we mentioned but like it's just missing the mark and it's baffling why they just haven't just copied this game and done it over and over again you know we bring this up a lot i just just to like be very specific about it there's a way the combat works and then the reason the boss fights are fun is because they reverse the way the combat works against normal enemies (laughs) and you you know that a develop like some of the some of the design team over at nintendo were like oh it's actually really interesting if we just reverse what what you're doing with the normal enemies on the bosses it's really interesting it's a little bit more difficult it's a little more challenging it's a little more fun uh and then they they opted to use the less fun version for the thing you do more uh which is like kind of a bummer (laughs) it's so weird and it I don't know the exact story, but I saw some people talking about how, like, with Origami King, like, the Nintendo higher-ups didn't allow them to, like, have any, like, custom-looking characters. So, like, all the Baboms and Koopas had to be, like, neutral. Like, they couldn't deviate from the, the official brand. Right. Which is why you got, like, a million Toads that all looked the same. And, like, even the fun characters, like, Bobby just looked like a Babom. Which is a nitpicky thing, but I think what makes Paper Mario, the first two games in the series, and Mario and Luigi so fun is like, you see a different creative approach at this known property. Right. And and that comes down to the design. So uh, I also want to quickly say how I got this game. I mentioned in passing, like not even a segment, just in passing, I think our last episode, maybe a week before that, that I was at the retro store and, I, and I've been wanting to play this game for so long. And I saw it on the shelf and I was, oh my God, it's a thousand year door. Player's choice bestseller for the Nintendo GameCube. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and it was $245. It is a hard game to get. It, they did not produce many copies of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or it's maybe so sought after that it's just gone up in price. Or maybe they're just ripping me off and they know who I am and they know what I'm willing to do <laughs> to get what I love. <laughs> they know what I'm capable of. They know my power. They know it's Aries season. Head first, baby. Think later. Anyway, uh, I lamented that. And I and I said, I was like, if people think it's like really, like if you think I'm going to really love it, let me know and I'll, I'll make it work. Yeah. Um, someone just incredibly kind and generous reached out to us and was like, hey, I'm moving. I, I don't need this copy anymore. Do you want it? Basically. And they sent it to us. And just thank you. You know who you are. That was like one of the kindest things someone has done for me. Yeah, truly um, unbelievable. And for both of us. So nice. Just yeah, just so so nice and friendly. And now now I have it, baby. I got the cartridge. I can read the back in a dramatic voice, and it's fucking incredible. It is so like immediately the best one. I just really? love when he, yeah. It, it is. I mean, so it's very very similar to Paper Mario, even down to the characters you get. Like you um in Paper Mario, you had a party mate, and they were like seven or eight as you progress through the story you got like a companion and the way the combat works in paper mario is like it's set up in this sort of like car it looks like a play in the original game and uh it cycles between mario and his companion yeah and as mario you can jump you can use your hammer you can use items and then you eventually as you progress through the game you can summon these stars that are like summons from final fantasy that do like a big special thing and also heavily incorporates like some type of like button input or timing so when you jump if you time a right you can like jump again and do more damage the hammer you have to hold left on the joystick and then release at the right time they do that a lot in mario and luigi as well which was like a very you know it was inspired heavily by paper mario but what's really cool is that they really play with that so there'll be some enemies where like They've got a spike on their head. You can't jump on them. You have to use the hammer. Mm-hmm. And where it gets really interesting is with the companions. So like in Paper Mario, one of your first companions is Goombario, who's like this Goomba that's obsessed with Mario. Um, Great. And Mario is a silent protagonist who, you know, again, the best thing about these games is like what people think of Mario in this game. So like right. Goombario is like obsessed with Mario. And his whole thing is like he's this kind of fanboy who like has this encyclopedic knowledge of everything. So when you have him as a companion, his job is to like you know rattle off on like what the enemy's weaknesses are mm. all that kind of stuff okay yeah so that's like who you get first later and this is in the first paper mario just for context later you get a, a, a ally named uh cooper i think who is a koopa troopa with like a like a neck scarf just such just a cool little design just to separate him from you know the rest of the koopas yeah uh and his whole thing is that he can't attack air enemies but he can just dash in a straight line so like all the enemies on the ground he can do like a ton of damage to oh, okay cool yeah later on you get someone who is a boo and she can like turn mario invisible for a turn so the next hit will be dodged like no matter what so there's a lot like it's a very simple combat system but there's a lot going on strategically um which i think is why it worked so well for beginners and for people who are very familiar and it's it was such a fun and theatrical take and put a pin in the word theatrical and apply that times 10 for thousand year door so thousand year door very similar combat system but they've added this thing where if you pull off moves that involve timing there's literally an audience watching the battle like on stage and the more you pull that off the more people show up and like root you on and they'll like throw items that heal you and stuff oh but if you if you mess it up you get like hecklers who like throw shit at you <laughs> and like one of the things that you uh, mario or his companion can do is like just throw the hecklers out which is so funny to see oh nice um, so that that's very similar to origami king except in origami king you have to build that collection 
collection of people who are watching you over time, right? Because you're you're like finding the toads that are hidden throughout the world and they become the audience. Um, yeah, it's an interesting idea. I, I like it a little more just kind of tuned to how well you do with the combat. Yeah, and it's, it's really not it's not like a determining factor. It's just like a little bit of like chaos in the background. Yeah. You know, it's like just to spice things up and it really it really does work and it adds like I mean, this game's got an incredible soundtrack and it's so fun and the battles are so lively with that and I just think like it just feels like if, if, if Paper Mario was the proof of concept Thousand Year Door is like the perfect execution of it mm-hmm. and it just jumps in right away like all literally what happens is Peach gives a map to Mario and he goes to a town called uh, Rogue Port or something and it's full of like pirate babams and stuff Yeah, and there's a Goomba named uh, Goombella who is an archaeologist like college student who's like literally if you took Hilda from Fire Emblem and made her a Goomba just in terms of her personality <laughs> like she's incredible because she plays the role Goombario does where she has like an encyclopedic encyclopedic knowledge of things and of people and you can at any time push X and she'll like kind of tell you like where to go next which I actually love in an older RPG like this because like sometimes it's not very clear where to go and like having the ability to not have to go on a cursed game facts forum and just talk to Goombella and she's like I think we should go right like yes thank you <laughs> this is great but she also will comment on like everyone in the village so like <laughs> Half the time she's just like, ew, like in all caps, like waving font. Like, you know, you see a blooper. She's like, ew, this thing's gross. I want to fucking barf. And it's like, That's awesome. I don't know, it just kills me. There's a line I had to take a picture of. There's this like really creepy like uh, Koopa or something in a village that's like hitting on her. And she goes, ew, are you kidding? Ew, nice wig, you disco wannabe. Take a hike, bozo the dork. <laughs> And what's great is like Mario has zero agency. You just meet this like really cool Goomba who like is the reason you know what this map means. You go to a Goomba professor who like tells you where you have to get all these crystals and all that. It's definitely kind of like satirical of a lot of RPG tropes of like needing to get crystals. But at the same time, it's so exciting to be in this setting and to see the creative approach of different characters. It even feels like, you know, if Paper Mario is this creative spin on Mario, this feels like a creative spin on Paper Mario. They're taking a character like Goombario and giving him even more personality. There's another character who I think is going to join the party soon named Koops, who is this like really <laughs> unsure looking Koopa with a bandaid on his nose who's like, he ran up to us and he was like, uh, never mind and ran away. And Goombella's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> And that's why the game is rated M for yeah, mature. She does, she it's does just not that, that one F bomb. Yeah, but just in my head, I just hear Hilda's voice so clearly. I love um, that. And I, I mean, that is a compliment. Um, but yeah, man, it's like really fun. It's paced really well. It's it's a very approachable but but dense RPG. And I'm so early on that I guarantee I'll talk about it again. But like easily instantly my favorite of the mario rpgs thank you so much to the person who sent this to me i'm so happy to play it i am playing it on my nintendo wii which i have not touched maybe since 2007 and i plugged in my new smash themed gamecube remote i had to buy double a batteries to use my <laughs> wiimote to select the gamecube game so surreal yeah but it's so worth it uh, i just wish it was easier to get because it's so expensive and so hard to find but um i'm hoping you know i mean who knows nintendo but if you can get it get it it's it's so worth it if you're a fan of this type of mario game so yeah i'm excited to hear more about it eventually I'll, I'll definitely bring it I'll up see again. if i'll see if there's a way for me to play it also <gasps> which i'll i won't i won't say more about it but uh you would love it man it, it's so like I, it I has made like me would, laugh yeah because yeah, you love mario and luigi and this is like that but with like i mean mario and luigi gets a little bit into 
like where do I go next zone sometimes. Yeah. And and Paper Mario a thousand year door like really fixes that. Like literally with Goombella, just being like, go this way. That's right. Yeah, I, I <laughs> without um, being handholdy. It's like an elected process, you know? There's a part of me that is still like I don't know. I, I feel like there's a siren song for Super Mario RPG that like I, I need to answer eventually and go down that path. But, oh, uh, for Super Nintendo? Yeah. 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 I, I feel like I still need to check that game out so I can kind of get a little bit more context for everything else. But uh, th- this game has been on my on my list of stuff to play for a really long time. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you're I'm glad you're playing it because I think I think just hearing as with all things, just hearing you talk about it more is going to make me want to play it more. Uh, so I'll eventually be able to give it the time that it deserves. It's also just so like, it's like relentlessly creative that it inspires me to make something. That's the kind of energy this awesome. game has, which oh, I imagine what, is what led to, it's what led to bug fables. I imagine the people who made that game were like, this was such a formative experience and then they wanted to do that and they did it like truly. And I'm excited to see what that team works on next. But, uh, you know, it doesn't need to be paper. It just needs to be authentic. Buggier uh, fables. <laughs> Look at Coops. There he is. Oh yeah. Oh, with the like hoodie. Yeah. Oh, I love Coops. And that's Goombella. Wow. And that's Mario. This is oh, yeah, awful Mar- for so- audio. <laughs> <laughs> so Mario, uh, he's he's a silent protagonist in that he doesn't have dialogue, but occasionally he'll go like, oh! <laughs> 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 he'll be like, uh, oh, yeah. Or like, oh! He's got like a weirder voice in this one. Uh, and he'll like react to things. Like, If what you're doing is accurate to how it sounds, and it sounds like he like ate a toad by accident. <laughs> And it's trying oh, to expel the toad from his body. That's what's so funny is like the writing. Is, I mean, the writing is so good, but like there's literally just a toad in the town. And I like went up to the toad and I, I checked with Gumbella like what this character's deal was. Mm-hmm. And there's writing for every character. Like you can literally look at anything or anyone and Gumbella will have like a type five on that person or place. Sick. Which is incredible. That could be the whole game as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But she there's a toad she's like i don't know he's a toad like he seems pretty normal although he oh wait i have i have a picture of this too she's like yeah he's a toad i think there's probably not much going on and then she says but i hear he leads a secret life as the president of the luigi fan club oh (laughs) so like the fact that you just see a toad and the writers were like okay this guy's got a a second life as like a big (laughs) luigi stan is incredible wow so i don't know i i think like i i think that like i don't I think Origami King was like the moment of truth for me of like, is Nintendo going to realize what makes the series great? And I wouldn't put a lot of stock into them reverting back to it being more of an RPG. No. But I do think that like we can see games like Bug Fables picking up the torch a bit. And also like, I don't know, there's such a void for RPGs like this that are able to be more lighthearted in a way. It's it, I think it's harder to write a game like this and have it be like enjoyable because it's so lighthearted and, and funny that like you could lose the foundation easily. It could feel too silly, right. but it really doesn't because I think the setting is so charming and whimsical and there are like dragons and like roguish seaports and it just yeah. it just does it. You I know? do wonder it's, if there is another team out there working on like another Mario and Luigi game you know oh um, i would love that yeah because it feels it feels like paper mario is going in this direction i mean we talked a lot about that in in our origami king episode but it feels like paper mario is going in a specific direction the mario and luigi games kind of exist as an answer to the people who want paper mario to be more like thousand year door and the original paper mario like mario luigi already exists like that is a thing that is for you 
for the long time uh, Paper Mario fans. But I wonder if that team is like still working on another one. Like, is there going to be a Mario and Luigi game coming to Switch at some point? Yeah, that will know, be the, the answer for people. The last one was Inside Story, which was like really well received. That's like one of the one of the favorites amongst the, yeah. this subgenre. But that was on the DS, like you know, close to ten years ago. So like, I don't yeah. really know. Yeah. But, you know, I hey, hope so. if you're listening and you're a game designer and you're inspired by this, like, do it. We need it. We need your energy. You know, <laughs> fuck it. I might do it. I love this game. I might yeah. try to learn to code, like Steven. Um, if I knew how to code, man, you would have no idea what I would make. <laughs> okay. Power I would Should yield. we end on that threat? Or? <laughs> on that threat? <laughs> Hey guys, it's Star Fox Dinosaur Planet 2. I hope you enjoy it. Can you believe that there's a build of the original Dinosaur Planet that's like out there that you can go play right now? It's incredible. Oh my god. That game was so not fun. Anyway, you want to wrap up? <laughs> yeah, I do. I had such a fun time playing this. I'm definitely going to bring it up again. It might even be bonus material by the end. We'll see. Yeah, if I can but... get it working, then uh, I'll, I'll be playing it too. Yeah, we have our bonus for April decided already. So if it happens, it'll happen later. But keep an eye to the keep an eye on the floor is what I said, which is not a phrase. Oh, I forgot that we have our April bonus decided already. That's exciting. Oh, should we announce it? Should we announce it now that we're like done with Mother Three? No, let's wait till the Mother Three bonus is out. Okay, I asked that last time. I'm really teasing the audience. Been like, should we say? And you're like, no, not yet. With withhold information because I mean things change. Also, it's very possible that, like Monster Hunter Rise might end up being a, the bonus instead. You know, like who yeah. knows? Thing, things happen. That comes out. For Friday that comes out two days after this episode comes out. Wow. Yeah. I can't wait to hunt monsters with cats and dogs. <laughs> Are you an NPC in Monster Hunter? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Good luck out there. Here's a band-aid and some steak. <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, Thousand Year Dirt, expect more content at some point in some form. That's yeah. what I'll say. Expect more content. That's what I like expect to say. Expect more content. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I think we're going to wrap up. This is a shorter one this week because, you know, we're still kind of recovering from our uh, day devoted to Mother 3. Um, That episode will come out in the coming weeks, probably the end of the month. So look out for that. If you like the show, uh, head to IntoTheCast.online. It's got our hub for our YouTube, our Twitch, and, you know, all the platforms you can listen to the show on. And if you want to help us grow, you can share that link with a friend and be like, hey, look at all the platforms the show is available on. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe the options we have. You as got a Overcast. Listener. You got Pocket Cast. You got Pandora. You got Apple Podcasts. You got Spotify. You got Kazaa, You got Napster. You got uh, Virus.com. Yeah, you got, you got a lot of Stitcher, options. You got Breakers.fm. <laughs> is it Breaker.fm? I think it's Breaker.fm. Anyway, you got so many options out there. Another huge shout out to all our patrons. We've gotten You don't want me to list of... more podcast apps? Yeah, yeah, go for it. What else you got? Radiotopia. <laughs> Pod, podcast Addict. Yeah. Google Podcasts. <laughs> Okay. Hey, I want I wanted to thank our patrons <laughs> real quick. <laughs> this is another you always deserve a shout out, but another quick shout out because we've been uh using more of our patron fund to uh for the bonuses that you know this one goes especially long. And also I've recently bought a bunch of new equipment, so thank you for that. Oh, um, we didn't talk about your Emerald playthrough at all this episode. Oh yeah. What'd you want to say about it? It's good. Oh, thank you. It's so fun. I'm having the best time watching it. I hope you're having fun streaming it. And those I of you out there, I hope you're having fun it. watching it. Yeah. So for context, I've been doing, I think I mentioned this somewhat recently, but I started streaming a Nuzlocke run of Pokemon Emeralds and we're like 
on the fourth gym, man. Like, we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, there was a moment of truth where I was, this is either going to be the end or the beginning, and it's a new chapter, baby. It's, you know, post-Tower Tarot Land I had right faith, now. I had faith in you, because you got so humbled by the second gym, I didn't think you would let oh it happen on the third gym. But I, but I, I do... I am glad that it ended up working out. I had I had Thanks. faith in you, but I'm glad you had faith in yourself. I appreciate that. But yeah, it's it's really been, I mean, honestly, like, I always love streaming and it's always been a good time. I, I think just for like full uh, transparency, like you and I view Twitch and YouTube as like an extension of the show and the community and just like a chance to like share our experience with, with people and hang out. It's always yeah. been a great time. But this stream has felt like the first kind of like project of its own. Um, that's kind of what I wanted to start getting into is like having a little bit more of a mission with some of my streams beyond just like playing a game with friends, which is always great. And yeah. I'll still be doing that. But it's been nice to like give myself this challenge to try to do. And like the enthusiasm for it and the feedback has been really positive. So thank you so much for for all of that. Um, I will be continuing that. There isn't like a solid schedule. I just sort of do it when I feel like it, which is like pretty frequently. <laughs> oh, and also worth noting, the whole thing is on our YouTube. Right. So I usually will stream for like two hours and then that will be like the next chapter on YouTube. So there's a lot of stuff there, but it's a good thing maybe to have on like while you're working because it's like mostly just hanging out and then big moments of drama and then just hanging out. So it's kind of like Star Trek, yeah. you know, where it's like mostly just kind of boring and then occasionally it gets really good. Yeah. It, it feels it feels like a like a long term fruition of something that like we've wanted to do for a very long time. I'm very I'm very glad that like you're enjoying it and it's going well. Uh, it's it's been really, really Thanks, fun. man. Yeah. So the whole whole playlist is on YouTube. I will say that the first couple episodes, like the the sound is always good, but the game volume is a little bit low in the beginning. That eventually balances out. Just in case you're like, I want to hear those sick Emerald Jams, which you will, because God, that game is a good soundtrack. You were not kidding when you brought it up on the soundtrack episode. I was like, okay, that's fine. But like, it's yeah, dude. really good. It's really good. The music that plays when you're in the area where ash is falling on the grass. And when you walk on the grass, the ash clears. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Anyway, I appreciate you saying such kind words about that. So that exists. Into the Cast Online, everything is there. If you like the show, share it with a friend. We already said that. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts. Seen a bunch of nice reviews lately. Thank you for that. And yeah. Uh, that's that's all I got, I think. That's our episode of the show for this week. Whether you liked it or not, that's it. The way you said that reminded me, one of my favorite quotes in a video game is from Alcadan in Soul Calibur 3, when he <laughs> <Okay>. wins a battle. <laughs> <laughs> Will you not let me share this? <laughs> I, not okay I, I, like, I think I need you to share it so you can expel it like a virus. <laughs> You said that's our episode for the show this week, right? Uh-huh. It reminded me of Alcadan's victory line in Soul Calibur 3, where he goes, you're a long ways off against going against me for real. And oh, it's yeah. Like, it's like a, <laughs> it's a sentence that just keeps punching you. It, yeah. it, it, like, I guess it grammatically works, but it's just like so... It shouldn't. Yeah. It's like falling down a hill. <laughs> yeah. Alcadan, uh, he's sort of the sword master character of 3, but he has an alf head. Yep. Alcadan. Al <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe that's just the episode title, just Alcadan. It's just like a like a Facebook profile photo of him. <laughs> it's only for the people who make it all the way to the end of the episode will they know why. <laughs> like a 2006 Facebook photo where it's like weirdly yeah. zen. <laughs> Alcadan. I'm in Boston now. I don't know why. <laughs> oh my god okay cool hey we love you so much thanks for listening uh, we will be back next week yeah wow 
Exciting. Can't yeah, wait to talk about Monster Hunter. Oh my god, that's like, yeah, that's the first like big game for me this year. I'm very excited for that. Maybe we should stream that together this week. We absolutely should. All yeah, right. you want to do it? Little, we'll little tease, yeah. Into the cast little on tease. online. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Worst garbage, the online.